Hey there, and welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and this is a podcast dedicated to lovers of the botanical style, natural style, aquarium, or just about any other technique that's maybe just a bit out of the mainstream, or perhaps the mainstream, but maybe a different way of looking at things. It's kind of what we do here. Uh, Today, I wanted to talk about something, speaking of techniques, uh, an approach that uh, one of our uh, customers actually put back into my head not long ago in an email correspondence. It's uh, a technique or an approach called the Wallstad method. Many of you who keep planted aquariums or are active in the, the planted aquarium hobby or go to you know shows have seen or heard of this technique and its uh, developer, Diane Wallstad. And um, you know, being a lover of aquarium technique and culture and trends, I look at things much like you do. I, I study this stuff and how things start, and it's very interesting to see how these uh, processes or how these techniques develop. Uh, and it's hard to imagine me not like trying every little thing that's come along that's out there, you know, when it comes to keeping aquariums. And um, I admit I have tried and, and, and uh, studied quite a few techniques over the years. Part of the reason I do that is because I just love every aspect of the hobby. And I'll admit that I have played with many things without sounding really effing old. I've been around long enough to know uh, that some of these things end up actually becoming trends, but then seeing them become movements and ultimately they become approaches or even bona fide techniques in the hobby. And even more interestingly, I've seen stuff go through these phases, you know, then fall out of favor only to be resurrected to go through the cycle once again. Um, and today's piece uh, is uh, sort of a, a tale of advancements, embraces, rejection and redemption, and even education. I mean, it's probably not that prosaic, but it encapsulates a lot of the way our hobby culture works. And I think that's kind of fun. One of the classics that I think has went this route has been what we already touched on, the Wallstad method, as it's called. Now, many of you have already heard of it, so I'm just going to give you the most rudimentary summation of this concept and you can rely on Google or whatever, you know, fave search engine you use to fill in the blanks if you need a refresher. Now, essentially, the approach was formulated by uh, aquarist and author Diane Wallstead, and it's pretty impactful when we really dig down on it. Um, As a a curious aside tangent, which is typically what I do, right? Uh, I met her once at a weekend show when we were both speaking at, um, it was in New England. And I was at that time a reef keeping superstar for want of a better word i was speaking at all the conferences and stuff and it was a lot of fun and i was far more interested in how to grow out sexy coral frags than i was to play with something as unsexy as a natural planted aquarium yeah that was my typical arrogant you know reef keeping mindset that i had for quite a few years or so freshwater was just sort of you know brown gray and otherwise uninteresting and outdated to me at the time really arrogant even though I kept freshwater my whole life and still had a fascination for it. And at the time had several blackwater aquariums that I was working on, you know, kind of closeted, not really talking about. Anyway, enough of that. The idea was to provide a closed ecosystem where plants and fishes work together to provide for each other's needs. And unlike in a traditional planted aquarium, this approach uses, uses a substrate that's comprised of rich soil capped with sand to keep the plants growing rapidly and to outcompete nuisance algae while providing sort of a nutrient export, a nutrient cycling method via the real lush growth of plants. Now, I immediately found this fascinating. Um, I was always into the idea of refugiums and nutrient export mechanisms in reef systems, natural nutrient export mechanisms. And as a reef person, you become really attuned to sort of taking care of the, uh, the whole ecosystem uh, of, your, of your reef tank. 
and uh, in order for everything else to thrive. Well, I mean, you either learn to look at your reef as a little microcosm and care for the bacteria and the other lower life forms in the tank as an important component, or you simply suck and your tank will too. Now, I'm being serious. As many of you know, reef tanks are absolutely dependent on your understanding of this concept. Nature will hand you your ass on a platter in the form of nuisance algae, dead fish, dead corals, and sick fishes if you can't figure this stuff out. Full stop. Okay, Felman, just chill. Get, you know, go to your stinky mangrove thicket or whatever. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, to make a long story short, the idea of a harmonious tank wasn't all that alien a concept to me. Neither was the attending chatter by the hobbyists who you know, we're embracing the approach as a way to limit or avoid water changes as part of their maintenance. It seems like no matter how good a technique is for our aquariums, a certain segment of hobbyists are always going to find the lowest common denominator, you know, like reduced maintenance and seize upon that as the biggest takeaway of the approach. And inevitably, when it turns out that the technique is not intended to be a way to reduce or eliminate water exchanges and doesn't support their narrative of laziness and results in the inevitable issues you know, algae and stuff that arise when one takes shortcuts and fails to learn, it starts to fall more out of favor. And the more vocal corners, typically the lazy ass hobbyists out there shout, oh, nothing to see here, move on, and sort of push it out, you know, of relevance. Sad, but true. Now, Diana's book, Ecology of the Planted Aquarium, is an absolute treasure trove that I think every hobbyist should own and read and study and execute on once the understanding is gained on this stuff. It's not a lookbook filled with pictures of contest-winning, non-sustainable fantasy scapes and fanboy-fueled marketing hyperbole and blindly reverent haiku-like platitudes about nature. No, no, no. It's a concise, thorough, and incredibly valuable reference on how the functions of the natural aquatic systems work equally well in our aquariums if we facilitate their processes rather than edit and sterilize them. It's a book and a technique for thinkers. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, so there's a lot of people for whom an approach like this, hey, nature, is simply not going to ever work because they don't quite understand or make the efforts to understand the dynamics of nutrient cycling and the interactions between plants and aquatic fauna. Typically, uh, eschewing the homework and learning a bit of, you know, more of the detail behind the technique like this leads to unhappy outcomes for some who castigate it and deride it as overhyped or whatever. We just love to simply duplicate something blindly without that effort to fully understand how it works. In fact, just today I got a message from someone that said, you know, adding a lot of botanicals to a tank can can cause, you know, nitrate spikes and, and, and problems for people. I've heard of this happening. And of course, my first instinct was to be helpful. And then my second instinct was to say, well, yeah, dude, I've written 500 blogs on how you can kill your tank with botanicals. I mean, the reality is, when it's a cultural thing in our aquariums. If you don't follow nature's rules, not some hobbyist's rules or interpretations, if you don't make the effort to understand that everything you add to an aquarium impacts the aquarium and that there are, are layers of, of organisms within the aquarium that serve to process and break down nutrients and create a so-called balanced aquarium, you're destined to fail. This is nothing unique to Wallstad's method or this botanical techniques that we talk about here or any type of aquarium. It's just simple aquarium logic. It's nature. It, and this kind of aquarium culture thinking of, you know, you know, editing and taking parts of something and, and then not being happy when it doesn't work. It needs to be exercised from our collective hobby mindset. Well, that's what we've been trying to do here at Tannen for a while. As have many of you, I know. 
And it's something I hope we continue to do. Ooh, getting back to the story. Nonetheless, when I heard Diana talking about this idea, it was like I'd never put two and two together before with fresh water, and I was immediately hooked. Something in my little primal hobbyist brain clicked, and I immediately knew that if I ever ventured back into freshwater aquarium plants, this was the way I'd go. Of course, at the time, I was well into my blackwater obsession. And uh, as I mentioned before, I had all kinds of weird tanks set up that I just wasn't talking a lot about because I just didn't have anything to say. But the idea of replicating the form and function of blackwater habitats was already swirling around in there and in the tanks that I was executing at the time. And her talk really drove it home that, hey, I'm kind of onto something here. And let me tell you, she was most gracious and accommodating of what must have seemed like shockingly ignorant questions from me, Mr. Coral Boy. And it was a great weekend. It was really neat. One of the things that I truly respect about her, and I, I full disclosure, I don't know her personally. I just met her that one time and have read about her ideas and read her book and her, you know, practiced her approach. That's some serious impact, by the way, is that she seems to have no desire to dumb it down to make this stuff more palatable for those who don't want to make the effort to go deeper and learn more. I love that. I'm all about that. And if increasingly when some of you shoot me little PMs or DMs or whatever, asking me, you know, how do I use botanicals in the aquarium? And I just say, go to the website, read our blog. It's not because I'm, I'm not patient. It's because the information is there. And, and you're going to lose a lot when you don't do the research yourself. You, you can't simply jump on a part of something and ask for a shortcut. It's part of, it's an evolution of our society and it goes beyond aquariums and I don't need to lecture you guys here, but I think it's a real problem. I think it's something that we need to address. Uh, we need to stop looking for the, the, the YouTube dumbed down, you know, edited version of everything and sometimes roll up our sleeves and, and dig. You're going to kill fishes. You're going to have tank crashes. You're going to have algae. These are par for the course when you're keeping aquariums. You're keeping living systems, living creatures in glass boxes of water you're going to have some issues and you're going to have to learn and understand why these things function the way they do. And I think that's really, really important. Okay. So again, I'm going on a tangent great story and personal admiration and all this stuff aside, the idea of rich soil substrates that not only accommodate the needs of plants, but provide a sort of media, if you will, for beneficial bacteria where they can grow and multiply is a huge plus for all closed aquatic ecosystems. And the concept of embracing nature and her processes works really well with the stuff we play with, right? The things I like best about this method are you need to wait a couple of months or so before adding fishes until the nitrogen cycle stabilizes. And the fact that the technique relies far more on nature than it does on CO2 systems, additives, and all sorts of other gear. Okay, that's my diss of most reef aquarists, but I'll keep my mouth shut for now. So yeah, it espouses and requires patience. It requires the learning and embracing of natural processes and nature's rules, and it issues gear reliance in favor of brain reliance. How could I not love this? How could you not love this? That, and it, that ethos sounds oddly familiar to our work with botanical-style aquariums, blackwater, brackish, and otherwise, doesn't it? I'll forgive the awful and insulting moniker of low-tech that the planted world ascribes to this approach. I mean, is nature low-tech? Have you ever read a scholarly article about the nitrogen cycle? Absorb that and try to use the term low-tech to describe this stuff. Talk to the guys at NASA. They've spent decades studying natural nutrient processing to figure out how to build systems for waste management on spaceships. Then get back to me with that thought. Yeah, low-tech my ass. More like nature tech. Whew, damn, I'm feisty today. Good coffee or something. 
So how does this relate to our world? Well, for one thing, you see me literally pounding the hell out of you every week, if not daily, about how it's important to create rich botanical influence substrates and ecosystems for the purposes of facilitating microorganism growth, supplementary food sources, and the fostering of biofilms and fungi for the, you know, their possible benefits at enhancing the nutrient processing capabilities of our little microcosms. The main difference is that aquatic plants, to many of us, are probably the secondary thing. Now, fostering a little ecosystem is not. And that being said, with more and more hobbyists creating blackwater planted aquariums, it's becoming increasingly obvious that A, these systems are entirely compatible with plant growth, and B, the idea of enriched substrates via soil and or botanical supplementation works well even for systems which don't focus on plants. It's about the biology, stupid, as one of my friends said. Uh, As you've seen over the past few weeks, I've been focusing a lot on my long-running urban agapo idea and experiments, sharing with you my adventures with rich soils, decomposing leaf litter, tinted water, immersion-tolerant terrestrial plants, and sudy, milty, you know, silty, uh, rich substrates. Did I say sudy? I think I meant muddy. (laughs) Anyway, I'm going on and on. This is, I think, an analogy or maybe a derivative concept of this Wallstead method as it embraces a sort of a more holistic approach to fostering an ecosystem, a functionally aesthetic aquarium rather than a purely aesthetic one. I think the importance of incorporating rich soils and silted substrates is... I think an entirely new and potentially dynamic direction for black water or botanical style tanks because it not only embraces the substrate as not just a place to throw seed pods, wood, and stuff, but as the literal foundation of a stable, diverse ecosystem, which in turn facilitates the growth of beneficial organisms which become an, you know, an important part of the aquarium over time. And that's inspired me to spend a lot of time over the past couple of years developing more biotope-specific substrates to complement the types of aquariums that we play with. Now, when we couple this idea of using non-conventional, well, for now anyway, substrate materials with the idea of seeding our aquariums with beneficial organisms like small crustaceans, worms, etc., to serve not only as nutrient processing assistance, but to create a supplementary food source for our fishes, it becomes really interesting. You know, stuff like copepods and so forth. Um, and, it, and these creatures serve to stabilize the aquarium environment and support the overall ecosystem, don't they? I think so. It's called nutrient cycling, right? That's really, really cool. It's a huge takeaway here. I mean, actually just thinking on this, uh, nutrient cycling is one of the most important things we can learn about. And I think that perhaps it's the biggest point of all from Diana's method. And the ability of decomposition to provide nutrition for plants, in, or in our case, for the overall system. Wow. You know, instead of pricing mystery additives, you know, shortcut creating products and the CO2 systems, etc., etc., etc. There's so much to work, work that we can do in this area. It's really just beginning in our little niche. And how funny is it that what seems to be an approach that peaked and fell during, you know, into a bit of disfavor or perhaps unintended reclassification is actually being resurrected in some areas of the planted aquarium world? I mean, never died in others. And isn't it interesting that a variation or application of it is gradually starting to work its way into the natural botanical style aquarium approach that we favor? It's good times. There's so much to learn, so much to experiment with. 
and we're all part of it. So let's get after it. Let's do the work, execute those experiments, make the mistakes, learn the processes, apply patience, rinse and repeat, stay educated, stay focused, stay diligent, stay open-minded, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman. I hope I've whetted your appetite to give this a second thought and delve deeper and think more on the idea of the aquarium as an overall microcosm of the natural world and not just a sterile glass box designed to look good for a few months or a contest or whatever. I think you'll find a deeper meaning and a more interesting world when you embrace things like that. So thanks again for stopping by. Feel free to hit me up with your questions, comments, threats, marriage proposals, whatever it is that you want to do. Tannenaquatics at gmail.com or you can hit us up on Instagram or Facebook and uh, we'll be glad to address your, uh, your questions. Thanks again for your support. Have yourself a great day. Bye now. Thank you.